Welcome to Behind the Writer, the podcast about what the heck happens after you finally finish that novel. I'm your host, Julie Vade, and I'm here with my fellow indie authors to dive into the good, the bad, and the ugly of writing and publishing a novel. Today, I'm joined by Addison Horner. Addison taught himself to read at age two and loves devouring any kind of story from fantasy epics to action thrillers to those blurbs about farmers on the boxes of organic mac and cheese. His happy place is the void of creation, where a single spark can grow into a world of ideas. Addison's passion for writing and editing led him to found Avocado Tree Press, where he helps authors supercharge their prose while working on his own fiction. He lives in Orlando, Florida with his wife, two temperamental avocado trees, and the world's cutest dog. Addison, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Julie. You have to tell me what kind of dog you have. Everybody who mentions dogs in their blurb, I just have to know. <laughs> of course. she is. Her name is Joya. She is a Havapoo, which is a Havanese poodle Aww. mix. She's a year and a half old as of yesterday. And uh, it's true, she is the world's cutest dog. In my official bio, I have that trademarked. It's not a real trademark, but it might as well. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so that's so exciting that you have a um, a press house, too, that you run. Can you tell me a little about, about that. What do you guys do there? Yeah. So it's very, I mean, it's a very small, it's a relatively new thing started up this year. But the idea is having this, uh, having an organization around what I do uh, it has a couple of purposes. One, it helps with like the legal and financial side with organizing everything, having it in one place. It helps with respectability because when somebody's just like, hey, I'm a random person, let me do this thing for you versus, hey, I have this organization I've put the time and effort into to help you achieve your goals, I think it makes a big difference. So for myself, uh, preparing to publish my first novel this fall and also for the clients that I work with as an editor, I think it's helpful to have that uh, reputation set up in a place where they can see this is a real thing. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I didn't even know that that was like that, like as an independently published author that like creating your own kind of name or imprint for even just for your own books. Um, I didn't even, I like recently learned that that was a thing. Like I thought everybody just like put it under their name. Cause like you're publishing it yourself. And then I was like looking into it more and I was like, Oh no, people have like, like imprint, like names for like their press house, even if it's just them. So um, I think that's good that you, I need to learn more about that. <laughs> it's, it's all research. It's all research all the time. That's what I'm learning in this, uh, oh in my this God, uh, new venture, relatively new venture of being an author and professional editor. It's a, it's a journey for sure. I know for sure. Every time I think I'm like, okay, I got it down. I've, you know, published a book. I'm there. And then I'm like, oh no, there's like five other things that I just <laughs> went over my head the first couple times. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. So let's start with, tell me about the book. When is it coming out? So this book is coming out this fall. There's no set date yet, but everything is coming together. It's been such a long process. I started it writing it about two, almost two and a half years ago. And now it's like, I've got the final edit. I've got the cover. I've got the character. I've got all these things. I've got a Kickstarter, but the plan is to run a Kickstarter in the next few months and then to launch the book to the public after that. Uh, The title of the book is Marrow and Soul. And let me see if I have my... uh, my uh, premise off the top of my head. And so the idea of this book is that there's this, uh, it's a fantasy world uh, where society is shaped by these ancient relics and a teenage thief has the opportunity to bring her parents back to life if she can steal one of these relics from the temple where it's stored. And that's the basic premise. 
That's cool. That's really interesting. Thank you. It seems kind of like almost like video game-esque. Kind of. You know, in reading it, that's one thing that my beta readers have talked about is that this would make a really interesting video game. The whole, uh, yeah. all the stuff with the character and the dynamics of the locations and all these things. Like I, I visualize. And so I see those possibilities and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is like the dream. But first I probably actually, you know, like better publish the book. Yeah. <laughs> Start with that and then grow from there. <laughs> all right. So what originally got you um, into writing? Yeah, so my um, my dad is a newspaper publisher and editor, has been in newspapers all his life. My mom was an English teacher, and I've always been writing stories and stuff since I was a little kid. I always loved reading. I loved writing as a kid. It was like whatever fantasy books I could read and then like the Star Wars uh, books, all like the expanded universe stuff. Like I devour like dozens and dozens of those books growing up. I wrote uh, stories and stuff growing up, and I really enjoyed that, especially in middle school and high school. But um, my day job is as a musician. And so part of my degree and part of my experience has been as a songwriter, as a composer, as an arranger. And so for a long time, for probably 10 years or so, like around college and after, like my uh, my main passion and focus was on the songwriting side and kind of crafting stories that way. And a big part of songwriting for me is the idea of taking like an idea, taking a melody, taking a motif, taking a lyrical idea, turning it into a story that draws the reader in. And so back in like 2018, I kind of got the writing bug to try a novel. I tried writing one. It's pretty terrible, but and thank you very far. But I was like, okay, this is something I kind of like doing. And so I did my research, I learned, and I just kind of dove in and it became like a consuming passion where it's just something I wanted to do. And I wrote a bunch of stuff. I've, I've, ri- I've finished writing two books now. The second one is the one I'm actually preparing to publish. But it's always just like that creation has always been in my blood. And that's always been the thing that I've just been kind of compelled to do, I would say. Did you find it hard to kind of transition from like like a shorter form of writing in like songs to like this long form in books? A little bit. It's interesting because songwriting is like songwriting is kind of like dialogue. So in dialogue, when you're writing uh, when you're writing a novel or even when you're like whatever kind of novel it is, dialogue is not exactly like human speech because we have these ums and uhs and these things in the middle. And like me, I'm kind of rambling on right now. But you wouldn't have everything I'm saying right now written as just dialogue. You'd pare it down to what's the most interesting, what's the most important, and what communicates the character the best. And it still needs to be realistic, but it's not literally realistic, which is a weird uh, weird distinction. So songwriting is very much like that. So I found that in crafting dialogue and crafting narration and stuff, it's all about these images. Songwriting is just like taking those pieces, little pieces of imagery, and then novels are flushing that out and fleshing it out over like 100,000 words or so. Right. Okay. So yeah, I guess I never thought about it that way. It's basically the same thing. You're just bluffing it Vol- up a little. <laughs> volume is different. There's a lot, a lot, there are a lot more words, but it's the same, same basic ideas. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So what, is your book, um, like young adult, new adult, adult, or kind of. Marrow and Soul is YA, YA fantasy, right in okay. that, right in that zone. What made you kind of pick YA? I think it's just, there are a couple of things I would say. One, it's it's the genre I resonate most with, but I, by which I don't mean that like, like I read Hunger Games and uh, books like that. I read, I think the first Divergent book, but those books weren't really super formative for me, even though I really enjoyed them when I read them. But it was more of like the the growing up journeys and that idea and seeing that in all kinds of fiction, even in nonfiction and memoirs and stuff, seeing that, uh, that kind of journey and seeing those characters and seeing the things they struggle with, it's a very real struggle. And for me, I chose YA, like that age range and that thing, because I felt like that was the place where I wanted to communicate uh, the messages that I like to communicate through my books, which is not like a preachy message, but like, I like stuff that's hopeful. 
I like stuff that mm-hmm. takes us down to the valley and back out again, uh, even if it's not the way we expect. And so for me, it's like I get to show stuff in a really visceral way, but it also doesn't have the um, like I don't write with profanity. I don't write with like graphic sexuality or anything like that. And so mm-hmm. it doesn't have those pieces. And I feel like sometimes the shock value of those pieces can feel like it's a necessary part of adult fiction, which is not true, but okay. I can feel that way. And so when I started off, it's like this age range. And then also with my protagonist being like a 16 year old, I really like exploring like the psyche of a person in that age. As a music yeah. teacher, I teach a lot of kids between like 13 and 19, which is that YA range. And so getting to see their, uh, their emotional uh, experiences and journeys has really informed the way that I write these, you know, teenage characters, which is why it's so compelling to me. Yeah. And then I was kind of skipping around in the questions, but um, you said that one of the messages you like to show is hope. Are there any other like character traits or any other messages that you kind of like to keep in your stories to show other people? I mean, overall, I think it's pretty broad for me because it's all about what the story is. So I've got like dozens of story ideas and drafts and outlines around my hard drive. And they all vary, they vary wildly when it comes to what's actually in the content of them. But overall, um, I think having characters and having these characters have these real flaws and these real issues they need to confront uh, and seeing them confront the worst things about themselves and the worst things about the world around them and still be able to come through and to achieve uh, the goal that they have and to be able to progress, so to speak, and move forward. I think that's really compelling to me. I think because of my, my own life, I've had my own, and everybody does, we have our own struggles and things we go through and seeing, looking back and seeing like, I couldn't imagine that thing that happened X number of years ago, but I also couldn't imagine the person that I've become now because of it. And I think that that journey and seeing that there's hope underlying that entire journey, even like the most despairing parts is huge for me as a storyteller and as a songwriter. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I think that's definitely a good theme that a lot of people can relate to for sure. All right. So let's talk about the the writing process for this book. You said that it's taken you like two and a half years or two years. How is that going? Have you like hired any like editors or like what's kind of the process for you? Yeah, it's been weird. Dude, let me tell you, it's just been weird. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> I never, I did not know what to expect going into this. Um, yeah. Songwriting, logistics and legalities and publishing things are very different because it's like a short form. It's just like all these one little things and a book is just such like an ordeal. It's like running a marathon really. So yeah, I just, my pro- my process overall is I've kind of honed it over writing dozens of drafts and things has been like, I go big picture in. I have a note on my phone from February 2021 that has like, okay, orphan girl temple has to steal the ghost tablet. And that was like, that was what I had. And I was like, I have other stuff and there's twists and things that are really exciting. I'm really excited about, but that was basically my premise. And then I just fleshed it out into this overarching story. And then I broke it down to these little segments with like story structure and stuff. And then I broke that down to like bullet points for each scene. So I take this approach and do it. And then once I had that done, it took me a long time to draft that. But once I finally, I kind of uh, really buckled down, so to speak, and drafted that, then um, I went through editing process on my own. I am a line and copy editor. And so I did a lot of that myself, which is not always advisable, but when you are on a budget, you can look at what you do. I did hire a developmental editor, Elizabeth Thompson, who did a phenomenal job leaving like 1500 comments and edits and stuff on my manuscripts, which was uh, daunting, but incredibly helpful. And so, and I also had people like, I knew just had Amanda Aller on the show. I actually just started listening to her episode yeah. today, which is, which is fun. But um, she was my alpha reader and I've had a number of beta readers too. Uh-huh. And people go through uh, all these manuscripts uh, and all these drafts and help me understand like what resonates, what doesn't resonate and what, really stands out. And what's really been encouraging is like, even though there've been things that have changed in big ways throughout the manuscript, it's like, everybody's been really supportive. It's like, yeah, this stuff needs to change, but there's like a, something that's really good here at the core. And that's helped turn into what it is today, which is a product that I'm really proud of and can't wait to share with the world. I'm excited to read it. 
Um, does your press house do editing for other authors? Do you do editing for other authors? Yes. And that's something I just okay. opened up this year now that I've got all the stuff. Oh. Uh, all the all the uh, organizational LLC ridiculousness established. Yeah. And that's something I'm opening right now. It's uh, I've, I, I just finished up work with a client recently, starting another one soon. And I have a few spots open for the remainder of the year. And uh, one of my things has been I'm balancing writing a book, like writing the sequel right now for that book, editing, I finished up editing, and marketing and publishing and also this editing side for other people too. But I really like that. I think having all those irons in the fire kind of energizes me. It's like, yeah. I get up, it's like, what are the things I'm going to focus on with the time that I have today for this and finding the stuff that's most important and taking to that. So I have those spots open for people looking for a line or copy editor right now. That's really awesome. I was just going to ask you how you balance like doing all those things, especially like with your regular job and everything. Cause I feel like even like for me, like I don't even do half the stuff that you just said, but you know, like for me, I'm like trying to find time to like write my books on top mm-hmm. of like working. And then even like when I added this podcast, I'm like, am I going to have time to do mm-hmm. the edits? Like, how am I going to like do this? So I feel like it's really hard to yeah. be, you know, working and doing all this. It's like crazy. It is. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of time figuring out the balance. And for me, I can say my calendar app and my notes app are my biggest like friends, I have on my notes yes. app a weekly, I like my weekly schedule. And every week I go in, I say, okay, here's what's going to happen on these days at these times. And that just makes everything so much clearer for me. I don't have to just sit there and be like, what am I going to do today? I get to dig in and actually focus on like, I'm going to do this thing for half an hour, for an hour. And that's going to be yeah. towards that because I know I'll get the job done if I do that. Yeah, I have like way too many apps that I use because I have like my calendar. Mm-hmm. Then I have like, I use like Trello to organize like all the projects. And then I have like Notion, like I have like five apps mm-hmm. that I use. And it's like yeah. sometimes you can be paralyzed by like too much organization and too many apps and two things that are helpful. <laughs> like, you, you find your balance. Like some people are like, yes, give me 10 apps and all the stuff. And some people are like, give me one app and it's a Word document and I just write down what I'm working on. So it just depends on like what's, you find your flow and everybody's got their flow, but you find the one that works stick with it yeah exactly uh so let's talk about your kickstarter so i'm i'm like new to like i i don't know a ton about kickstarter i've I've heard like a little bit about it from other people so tell me a little bit about like how you get it like how you start a kickstarter how the process goes all that kind of stuff yeah, so I have not launched my a Kickstarter yet, so I'm new. To, I'm yeah. newer, newer to it as well, but I have been doing lots of research. And so there are three. Uh, there are these three authors: Angela Morris, Kayla Ann, and uh, Amanda Aller, who've all run or are currently running Kickstarters in the past few months. And I've been like, I've been in contact with some of them. I worked with Kayla on her manuscript, and I uh, read. Uh, Amanda's latest book, Children of the Earth, coming out soon, which I'm super excited about. Uh, so I've been involved in that process and seeing them like create all these materials and plans and schedules and things and crafting these things. And I think um, a big part of it is like planning ahead for one, like knowing kind of how you want to structure it with just involves research and talking to people and learning about it. And then like, look at the community. If you're an author who's like, hey, I want to do a Kickstarter. I don't know how to start. There is a Facebook group called Kickstarter for Authors. And if you go there, they have posts and discussions all the time talking about all the details from like, what should my funding goal be to like, does Ingram Sparks printing work for this kind of thing? Or like, how big should my book be? Or what, how much do stickers cost? And all these little details, you go through all of these things. They're great discussions there. I had this like a really intense one recently about, about like what kind of mailers to use for books, whether it's paper or plastic or Gemini or other ones too. And it's like all this information is there and all these relationships are there. That's the biggest thing is like having these relationships and learning from them. So as far as actually starting a Kickstarter, I've got my plans. I got my spreadsheets. I got my Word documents. I got my Kickstarter like draft up on Kickstarter right now. And the little details I'm working out, but everything is kind of in place as far as how it actually works. 
we'll have to see. But I would recommend if people are interested to go check out uh, Kayla Ann on Kickstarter right now, because I don't know if that'll still be going by the time this airs, but she's is running or has just finished recently finished a uh, stellar Kickstarter campaign for her book that got funded in four minutes. So wow. check out check out what these people are doing and see like what's yeah. out there from like the Brandon Sanderson $42 million one to the ones raising two or three or five or 10 or $15,000, like whatever, whatever's out there, research it and see what works. Yeah. I hadn't even realized that, you know, people use Kickstarter for books until the whole Brandon Sanderson thing was like mm-hmm. in the news. And I was like, oh, okay. And then when I started talking to more authors and people, you know, a lot of people are using Kickstarter and I was like, oh, okay. So this is like, this is the thing that I did. Yeah. Another thing that I just didn't know about. <laughs> it really is. And it's really handy. But um, I will say with Kickstarter, the tricky thing is uh, the funding and the timing. Because a lot of times people like, give me, I need $3,000 to make this project happen. On the other hand, what draws people into Kickstarters is having things like visuals, having art, having samples in the manuscript, having things ready. So if you're like, yeah. I just have a book that's going to be really cool, please support it. Great. But it might not get the attention you need. So if you go to Kayla Ann's just to use an example, you'll see a lot of stellar artwork up there. You'll see a lot of yeah. stuff. You can read samples and all these things. So putting the work ahead of time and then basically using Kickstarter to help recoup those funds and to keep driving that publishing forward to get your book out into the world. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, Amanda Allerhead was talking about how um, there's a lot of like math. She was like, there's more math involved and keeping track of like how much this costs and how much, you know, I have to ship this out and we need this, but I still need to make a profit. She was saying how mm-hmm. it's like a lot of keep track of your math when you're doing these Kickstarters. Oh, I was like, all right. Yeah. Excel, Microsoft Excel for me. That's my friend. Yeah. The cheats yeah. It's very good. Perfect. All right. So what has been your biggest challenge so far through the writing, the publishing, the Kickstarter, all of it? What's been the hardest thing? Uh, the hardest thing. There have been a lot of weird and difficult little things, but I'd say the hardest yeah. thing is likely uh, the imposter syndrome, the comparison. That's mm-hmm. crippling for me. It's really easy for me to fall into that. And so what I've realized is when I can set that aside and focus on the actual thing I'm doing, it's a lot easier. Like if I'm sitting here looking at Brandon Sanders Kickstarter, like how on earth am I ever going to raise $42 million when I don't need to raise $42 million or even looking at that person raised $15,000, how on earth did they do that? Or this person has like 10,000 Instagram followers and I'm trying to get there and it's like going so slow and all this stuff can get in the way. But what I've found to deal with those, uh, that stuff that's all in here is basically to get outside of my head. And so there's people of like positive thinking and other things they do. But for me, the best thing is just to sit down and set a timer and put the work in. So like if I'm like, the, the two manuscripts that I finished writing, one was about 96,000 words, another was 104,000 words. And to finish these two manuscripts, the way I did it for both of them was after kind of working on them and looking at different projects, I sat down and said, okay, every morning at 6.30 a.m., I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna write for half an hour. And I just did that. And it was hard, it was difficult, yeah. but I got into the rhythm of it and it ended up working really well to finish these books. And now I have things that I'm proud of. And all the other stuff, it's the same deal. Put in the time, put in the work, get a community around you who can help you, um, encourage you and give you the information you need. And that's going to make it a lot better. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if you ever have issues with procrastination, but my, my biggest problem is like, I'll set aside time and I'll be like, okay, I have this hour right now. I'm going to write. And then I'm like, Oh, but let me, let me check my Instagram or oh, let me check this. Like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, and then mm-hmm. I don't end up writing for like the hour. So it's oh so hard gosh. to like keep that focus, you know? Yeah. And we'll see. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, threads just launched two days ago. Yes. A whole I know. Social media platform out there. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, do I have to stay on top of this? Should I, I joined, I was like 
27 million something person to join. And I was like, yes, I got in early somewhat because I joined like 18 hours after they launched. But like, oh my gosh, it's like all these things can suck you in, especially threads. Like I don't, I'm not, I'm not on Twitter and I haven't been for a long time, but like threads, I can just like, let me just go scroll through everything over and over and over and over again because it's so easy just to keep reading. And it draws your attention if there's any kind of block for writing. It's like, no, I just want to do this thing and get my dopamine fix instead. So it's a, right. it's, it's a disciplined thing that you work on over time and you give yourself grace for the shortcomings and you just keep pushing it, getting whatever you can. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw the threads thing too. And I haven't joined it because I don't, I, I was never on Twitter. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't know what to say because it's just words. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not that funny. Like, it's that's so funny though because like it's just words. But here we are, literally authors. Yeah, I yeah. Like, that's, that's so <laughs> yeah. Like our brains focus on those things so differently. Like for me as a musician, I love writing. I love performing. I love doing all the stuff. But if there's like a piano in a coffee shop, this happened this uh, this past week actually. It's North Carolina, and I was at a coffee shop with my parents. I was visiting them, and my dad's like, "There's a piano. Go play." It's like I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that, even though I'm like a professional piano player. Like I'm a right. I I I. I do like I make my living in doing that right now, but yeah. the idea of doing this is like oh, it's just like a different format, a different thing. It just feels so weird. And threads can feel that way too, which is why I've just been like, eh, if I think of something, I'll just kind of let it pop into my head, and then I'll write it down and see if it works. But I don't know. Like everything else, we kind of try and see. Nobody knows how to do threads yet. That's what I'm thinking. So we figure it yeah. out. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, and also like people like for, like keeping the piano example. Like it's mm-hmm. so funny because I would think the same thing. I mean, I'm not a professional piano player, but I also would probably be like, oh, there's people around. I don't want to play in front of all these people, whatever. But like, I work in a hospital, and so um, there's a piano in like one of the like you know foyer room, whatever it is, it's like a lobby. And mm-hmm. um, every once in a while, when I come into work, if whenever I hear somebody playing it, when I'm like just walking through the halls, I'm always like so happy and I was like oh this is so lovely I love yeah. coming into work and I'm just hearing somebody play that's so nice so like maybe they're nervous about it but to the to an outsider like a bystander I'm like this is amazing like somebody's playing piano like it worked this is great and so like we can be so intimidated but to an outsider it's just like oh that person's amazing and like, oh my gosh yeah and that is that is a huge thing out if I may very briefly just talk to the authors this is this is the biggest, I mean, I tell my students this all the time that I teach. It's like, you can, you're going to make a ton of mistakes. That's what happens. I tell them like, I've made more mistakes playing this past year than you've made in your life playing piano. But the part, the point of it is when you make mistakes, you don't stop and you don't stop and go, oh gosh, I'm so sorry, guys. Can we just start that over? You keep going, you keep pushing through and you keep making the effort. And a lot of times people don't even recognize you made a mistake. Like right. Brandon Anderson, just to bring him back as an example, because I'm familiar with him. He wrote 13 books before he got one published. And I'm like, oh, wow. I'm like, I, I've got, I've written two books and one of them is about to get published. And so I'm about to have a better success rate than Brandon Sanderson is. Yeah, right. Now, the, the comparison is not what matters. The point is, the, the what matters is there's this possibility here that we can engage with if we just, uh, if we're able to persevere. And that's why that, again, that community, huge part of that. People saying, hey, you go, you keep going. Yeah, exactly. That's why they say the best thing you can do is just get started because yeah. Oh, yeah. if you never try, you're not going to succeed like because you're not trying. So as long as you try, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. So um, is there anything that has, is there anything that has like surprised you in a good way or a bad way throughout this process? I think seeing how willing like the authors and any community is, uh, how willing they are to work with each other and to support each other and do this stuff. It's been so cool because I didn't, a year ago, I didn't know about Bookstagram. I knew people posted like, apparently Mm -hmm. posted like really snarky reviews of books on Instagram. And that was all I knew because I was not involved with that at all. And it was through actually meeting Amanda Aller. She was the one who 
uh, through meeting her and reading her book, she was the one who's like, yeah, get, make an Instagram account, start doing stuff, see what happens. And that's how I dove into the community. And you'll have to forgive me. I've already forgotten the question, but. Oh, I said, <laughs> um, sorry, my, my cat distracted me too. <laughs> oh, you're good. You're good. Um, I said, oh, uh, what has surprised you in a good yeah. way or a bad way? Yeah. Yeah. And so being on that, so like I've had like my personal slash music Instagram for like years and years. And I had like, I had like. 600 followers I really pushed to get that far but I didn't put a lot of consistent effort or planning or strategizing into it and since joining uh, Instagram and seeing like here's how people do stuff in bookstagram oh I can make a reel like that or I can I'm interested in that thing let me talk to them about that has helped me and I'm already at about 800 followers right now after less than a year and that's not a huge number but considering that I started off with like nothing and had no plan I just kind of figured it out along the way and with by watching people and trying to do stuff kind of like they do. If like, I like that, I'll try something like that too. And it's been yeah. really surprising to see not just that there's been growth, but like people want to talk to me and people want to engage with me about stuff. And like, there are people who yeah. like see me as like, I'm doing cool things. And I'm like, no, 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 you're doing cool things. What are you talking about? So <laughs> it's right. this really weird interplay. That's like, it really tugs at my imposter syndrome, but it, I can look at it and say, no, it's cool. Cause we're just all doing our own thing here. And nobody's, nobody knows everything and we all know something. So we can all just kind of do this together. Yeah. And, and sometimes I feel like, um, like talking like to other authors and even like doing this podcast mm -hmm. has helped with my imposter syndrome. Cause it's like nobody knows what they're doing and I'm like, every time I talk to, I'm like oh yeah you I have no idea you have no idea like they were the same level and I thought you know like going mm -hmm. into it I'm like oh this person has like they're doing so well like look at how great their book is and then I talk to them and I'm like oh yeah like they're normal <laughs> like we're all, all yeah. we're all in it <laughs> we're all we're all people left to clean up our, our dog's accidents in the hallway every so often right. that's just how it goes <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> So we have talked about imposter syndrome before, mm -hmm. um, but like, do you have any like strategies? Like, how do you kind of combat that? Yeah. So for combating imposter syndrome, so what I would say is like, this is kind of an age old kind of question and thing, but like, if I say, don't think about elephants, the first thing you think of is elephants because there's thing in your mind. And so imposter syndrome, especially negative things, whether it's directly coming from outside sources or just our tendencies uh, in our brain, like psych like psychological tendencies, whatever it is. This stuff can be really pressing when we try to focus on this thing. So if I'm like, let me just like ignore my imposter syndrome, ignore my imposter syndrome, it's not going to work. It's not going to really, yeah. uh, it's not going to have that effect. We all know that those of us who have struggled with it and dealt with it. So for me, I I have to redirect, and I do this with piano students too. It's I've learned so much from teaching. Oh my gosh! But like when there are students having trouble with like certain things, I focus on other aspects. If it's like, hey, if this song feels overwhelming, let's focus on it's like kind of counting the rhythm. Let's focus on reading one note at a time, and we do different things that redirect away from that and it's not this magical solution of like oh it's a magic trick where i can do it on stage with somebody and all of a sudden they're cured of imposter syndrome no it's just like uh we focus on different things so for me i was like i i can't control whether i'm a new york times best-selling author in five years what i can control is i can get up this morning and i can write for half an hour and i can write in words or a hundred words or a thousand words and then i did it i'm writing and it's yeah. literally all i have to do right now it's one step at a time one thing at a time yeah. And I also think that just like doing it anyway is good too. Like I, there, I also have problems with like, um, like social anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a lot of times, and like, even like during this podcast, like every time, like when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh man, like I'm so nervous. Like I'm, you know, I'm meeting somebody I've never talked to before. You know well, what I mean? And then I'm just like, well, every time I do it, I always have a good experience. Like every other person I've talked to, I'm like, oh, I always have fun and it's always great. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll just do it anyway. And then so sometimes you just kind of got to do it anyway. <laughs> and that's the reality too. It's like imposter syndrome is not reality. Imposter syndrome is the, is catastrophizing in our own heads. And you're like, wait, no, I can't do this. 
I, I have been doing this. I can do this. Right. What is your end goal with writing? Do you have like a certain number of books um, that you want to write or kind of what's your goal? Well, I am a dreamer. That is my thing. So I have approximately 503,000 goals right now. Uh, and yeah. among them is learning how to uh, is learning how to speak German, learn how to fly a plane. So those are Perfect. things that's like, yeah, maybe I'll have it some time. But I'm not even worried about that because I've got like X, Y, and Z to do with my own real life right now. But for uh, for writing right now, I mean, with music being my main day job and writing being really a, it's like a side thing where I'm doing editing jobs and I'm working on publishing a novel, I would say for me, the biggest... Uh, my goal would be to be in this writing sphere full time and to spend most of my time like writing books, creating these worlds and these things. And then uh, to also be working with editing clients, work with clients whose ideas are infectious, whose prose is really interesting, whose stories really captivate me to help them take their manuscripts to the next level. And that's really my goal. And I've been uh, blessed to do that so far this year and hoping to do that more and more as time goes on. And as far as the series goes, I'm planning uh, four books for this one. And then I have nice. uh, about 20 uh, 20 ideas I really like on my hard drive. So I'm like, let's yeah. <laughs> see what happens. I've been I've been plotting and outlining one out right now with the help of, um, there's a book called The Anatomy of Story by John Truby. That's fantastic. Highly recommend it. I've been going through plotting one out that's going to be uh, more more on the adult side of fantasy, but still going to have the same kind of air as my YA fantasy stuff. So, um, but we'll see what happens. I want to kind of have ideas ready to go so that I can always keep moving forward, yeah. even if I don't know exactly what the future holds, because I don't. Yeah, that's always the problem now that you always have so many stories, ideas, and then you're like, what, which one do I do next? Like, I love all these ideas. <laughs> okay. All right. So we're going to do a little rapid fire round next. Uh, we kind of answered some of these questions already, but I'm going to ask them again anyway. Uh, so just, you know, first thing that comes to your mind. So what is your day job if you have one? I'm a musician, which encompasses a lot of things. Songwriter, performer, teacher, worship leader, a lot of things, but musician. All right. Um, what hobbies do you have besides reading and writing? <laughs> music. I mean, music's like the thing. It's always been my thing. Um, yeah. I enjoy I enjoy playing uh, Xbox. I've been on Fortnite kick for, I don't know, the last two years or so. But that's been nice. really, uh, I, I jumped really late onto the Fortnite train. And now it's just like a really weirdly soothing game to play. I don't know why. Uh, but that's, and then hanging out with my dog, hanging out with my wife. I'm a homebody. I'm a major introvert and homebody. So it's like anything I can do inside on a rainy day sounds great to me. Yep. As most writers and readers are. <laughs> uh, okay. So what is one of your favorite books that you've read? Oof, okay. There's, I'm really bad at this one. Like the favorite, like what's your favorite song question? I'm bad at that. Well, just so one. I was thinking about that for this. And there's this book I'm reading right now called The Wager by David Grant. Completely out of the YA fantasy. This is a historical book, like a historical account of a shipwreck where basically oh. there's a long story short, shipwreck in the 1740s really harrowing story of how the survivors managed to get back from like the cape horn to brazil back to england where they started and they tell the story of this is how all this stuff happened and then two years later another group of castaways shows up and said no this is actually what happened so it's these competing accounts of like what actually happened during the shipwreck and it's wild absolutely wild story highly recommend even though it's just like this historical narrative that's not like dialogue and emotional stuff necessarily it's Entirely thrilling and captivating. Highly recommend. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that does sound really interesting. All right. So, what is your favorite time of day to write? Between six a.m. and seven thirty a.m. Always. That's right. my. Recently, what I've done a lot is going to Starbucks. I get there when they open because they're the only thing that's. I'd love to go to local shop, but they all open at like eight o'clock here in Orlando. Oh. So, uh, my early hours before work, before dog, before like house and life, uh, just get there in the early morning while it's still dark and pound out some uh, writing. 
Nice. There you go. So what do you listen to music when you are writing? And if so, what do you listen to? Never. I literally cannot. Uh, my, okay. because I've, I'm like a music theory nerd. And so my brain goes full, like analytical. It's like somebody, okay. imagine somebody like, imagine you're trying to talk to somebody, but you're also listening to audiobook at the same time. That's what it feels like. Right. That's okay. what I, I, like, I can't because I'm, I'm seeing all these things. My brain is like, it's like satisfying for my brain to get these things. So I can't listen to music or else it's just going to be a distraction for me. So silence or just like background noise of a coffee shop. That's really interesting. Cause I, I love listening to music, like when I'm writing and stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess if you like know the theory behind it, yeah, I would probably just do that too. Cause I do that now when I read, I'll like be reading a book and I'll be like, Oh, oh like this, the structure. And like, I'm thinking about how it's written and like, yeah. That's why I've DNF'd a lot of stuff lately because I was like, I get too caught up and it's like, I can't focus on this book because all the mechanics are in the way. So I just... Yes. Yeah, me too. It's really bad. I want to enjoy the story. Right. Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, Okay. So what is uh, one of your biggest pet peeves or like a trope that you don't like to see in books that you're reading? There's a lot. There are a lot of things I would say. Probably the biggest one that comes up is like swoon at first sight, that kind of idea. It's... And some people, it's their jam. They love it. Uh, I respect that. It is just not for me. And to me, I am, I'm not a big romance reader anyway. I can appreciate a good romantic story when I see one, but it's like, like the princess bride is one of my favorite movies, but like, it's just not a, yeah, it's not for me. And I'm like this, I want to get, I want the journey. I want the story. I want to see the the arc that gets us there. Yes, me too. I'm all about like the plot. So sometimes when it's just like, oh, you know, they're instantly in love. I'm just like, I don't care. What's the plot? (laughs) Okay. So what is a troop or theme that you um, would like to write about that you haven't written about yet? Hmm. I remember I read this in that list of questions and I'm like, gosh, I need to have an answer ready. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I think I have one. I think an I- the idea of um, like a space, like a space fantasy is something I really like to write. Oh, cool. uh, and something in that realm where it's, and I have an idea that I've written the first chapter for and done, but essentially where it's, it's a space, it's based in space, there's planets and interstellar travel and stuff, but it's not sci-fi, it's fantasy. That's the way okay. it's not written to be like focused on the futuristic technology and the things right. and the other like tropes, the other like themes that sci-fi engages with on like a social scale. But it's more about the kind of fantasy, the quest, the journey, the discovery, the magic, these pieces told in the setting of space instead of like a medieval fantasy world. That's so cool. I actually, the, when I first started writing, um, the series that I now have published, it was like very different. And it was like, kind of everybody instead of like countries, it was like planets. So it was more like, yeah, more like magic. And they had these fancy ways of traveling with their magic powers. And it was just more out there. Now I kind of scaled it down in its countries. So it's less exciting. But that's it is a very interesting concept. I like the idea of it, too. (laughs) Uh, All right. Those are all the I should make more rapid fire questions. I like the rapid fire round, but I don't have that many questions. So um, what kind of advice, this is just a regular question now, what kind of advice um, would you give to somebody who's kind of just starting out or, you know, they're looking into publishing, like, and just kind of getting into it all? Yeah, I would say, um, I'm going to paraphrase from Stephen King here. I, I believe he's the one who said, read a lot, write a lot. That's a basic thing. Although a lot of authors have said, it, I'm sure, read a lot, read the kind of stuff that you want to write, uh, but read other yeah. stuff too to see what influences, write a lot, just keep writing stuff. Because you might have to write a million words before you get the book you like. And if you do, mm-hmm. you can do that if you just keep writing. That's a million words is not a lot in the sort of sum of a lifetime. Yeah. It's a lot to think about in one day, in one hour. But in a lifetime, not so much if you just keep writing, keep writing. And then above that, I would say um, interact with people. Find the authors you like. 
talk to them. I mean, it's hard to, you can't really approach Brandon Sanderson and get coffee with him. Uh, but you can like interact with like authors, like on Instagram, you can uh, talk, like look into their books, look at their methods, find the ways people do these things and then learn from their example. And remember, not everything is gospel. It's like, just because Stephen King says uh, that like story is trustworthy, but plot is shifty. Doesn't mean that I need to throw plot out the window. For example, I can take his, uh, his warning signs and then apply that to the way that I write my own stories uh, while respecting the, the writing genius that he is. So yeah, interact, write, read, and just keep doing that stuff. Cause that's, that's what we like about being in this world anyway. So yep. be a sponge, absorb everything you can. <laughs> so um, what other, we've talked about this, but what other projects do you have coming up besides like, you know, your Kickstarter, mm-hmm. anything else in the works? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the big one is Marrow and Soul because that is a, uh, uh, and that's actually, I'm doing, as of the time of recording, I'm doing the title reveal and stuff next week. So this is not the public, in the public knowledge yet. But by the time this goes out, it probably will be. Yeah, it'll so, be out. <laughs> um, yeah, so it'll be, uh, so it'll be out in the world there. Uh, beyond that, I've got the sequel, which is like 75% written for the first draft, which I'm nice. super excited about. I've got other books in the work beyond that. And that's going to be a four book series. And then the other big thing I'm doing is just really, as I prepare to launch Kickstarter, I'm also working with editing clients and stuff and looking for more clients to really help elevate their manuscripts. So if anybody listening is like, Hey, I want a line editor or copy editor who will be genuinely excited about my book. Yeah. Send me a message. I'd love to talk to you. Perfect. Last thing is where can we find you? Do you know what's your social media? Are you going to be at any events? Tell us everything. I wish I had my snappy, uh, snappy uh, tags and stuff for social media, but I've got, I've got my Instagram, Addison Horner author. I've got my threads now, uh, Addison Horner author, and then my newsletter, addisonwrites.beehive.com. I'm not going to try to spell it out, but I, you guys sent you the links. You can post them in the description. And then also my uh, website, Avocado Tree Press. That's where you can find uh, all the editing information, uh, information about me and get in touch with me. And then also once the books are out, I'll have a lot more. Uh, coming up there over the weeks and months to come. Right. Awesome. Well, that's all I have. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for joining me today on Behind the Writer. Make sure you're following our Instagram at Behind the Writer Pod for all the latest updates and previews of the guests to come. We'll see you next time.